She saw him leave that morning, but he didn't come back that afternoon. He didn't show up that night. Nobody heard from him. The teen's body was found in a rolled up gym mat in a high school in 2013. His death ruled accidental. Say my name and remember what you've done. Your hurricane has blackened out the sun. You can't continue to kill unarmed black people and get away with it. But if Kendrick did die of an accident, how, with all that distrust, how could you even ever show that? But then on the flip side is they didn't treat it like it, it could have been a homicide. Lowndes County Sheriff Ashley Polk announced officials were reopening the investigation. Only angle is to find justice for my son. You are currently listening to season three of Ashes to Ash TV, the investigation of Kendrick Johnson. Episode 23, Lupe who? I get a call from an interesting lead. Hello? Hello? Oh yeah, this is Ash. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'd been hoping that we would hear from you. Okay, okay, so hold, hold on, hold on, hold on. You said you have information in regards to the most recent statement that was made. As authorities have an audio recording of someone admitting to Johnson's death, according to Sheriff Polk, it was Kendrick Johnson's mother who obtained the recording and turned it into investigators. Where the person was speaking about fears now that Ashley Polk had taken over, that they were afraid that he was gonna be caught for the crime of killing Kendrick Johnson, that statement that came out a year ago. Okay, so you have information about that. Okay, and I'm assuming that you might have information in regards to if that statement also is made by someone who is familiar with the Johnson family. So this is gonna get a little bit confusing here, but something amazing happened this morning. So one thing to keep in mind here is we've had two major confessions that have really put the nails in the Bell Brothers coffin. And one was from Ryan Anthony Domek Hernandez, which I think we proved relatively fast that that statement was not true. He was also friends of the Johnson family. So we were able to discover both of those. But there was a statement now that came out probably now about a year and a half ago, which also implicated the Bell brothers and the person claimed they had actually had an audio recording of one of the Bell brothers confessing to the crime. So if you happen to remember when the second major confession came forward implicating the Bell brothers in the murder of Kendrick Johnson, this was brought to Lowndes County Sheriff's Department by Jackie Johnson. And Marcus Coleman, their spokesperson, seemed to work with her with the media on getting this tape out into the world so people knew about it. At this point, both the Lowndes County Sheriff's Department and the Johnsons confirmed that the tape had been paid for. A Fox 5 newsreel tells us, they had a recording that they had actually purchased from an individual who said that it would be valuable to, as far as saying who possibly committed a crime in, in JJ's situation. Validate who the person is. Was he really who he said he was? Find out where he got this information. 
that we, we're going to verify who that person is. Follow the chain of custody to see if it's really something that's truth or truthful or for some very, very cruel hoax. Knowing what I know now about this case, it's really interesting going back and listening to some of these news stories about this case. This one in particular says that Jackie Johnson is the one who brought the taped confession forward to Lowndes County Sheriff's Department. What strikes me as odd is why would the cousin of the Bell family go to Jackie Johnson instead of going straight to the cops? If you had recorded a confession where someone was confessing to murder, wouldn't you bring that straight to the cops instead of to the victim's family? So the only way you can believe that the Bell's cousin did this is that you have to believe they were in this to make a quick buck. They had to have gone into this knowing that they were going to try to get this confession so that then they could try to squeeze money out of the Johnson family. Without this narrative, that story falls apart really fast. Although I've never gotten access to this confession recording, I thought it was really interesting when Marcus Coleman, the Johnson spokesperson, went on national TV with Jackie Johnson and explained what was on the tape. Now, quote, they're gonna catch me anyways. I should have never done this. I was young and stupid. Kendrick didn't deserve this, man. A couple of seconds go by and he ends with a very tearful, they're gonna catch me anyways. The family says the audio was secretly recorded by the person's family member who sold it to them for $1,000. Lowndes County Sheriff Ashley Polk says they are working to authenticate the clip and will ask the GBI for help. What the media seems to fail to report on is the grand jury seems to take this confession tape very seriously and they're able to work out quite quickly that the whole thing is a hoax. The media doesn't seem to really report on this much though. The grand jury also, which seems kind of strange to me, withholds this person's name who made the confession. So even though they've deemed it a hoax, they don't say who the person was who made the confession. That really put up a roadblock for us because we wanted the person's name because we wanted to find out who they were and why they made this confession tape and if it really was a hoax. Was this really a confession or was this like the first confession made by Ryan Anthony Domek Hernandez, which we were able to prove pretty quick was a lie? I became really concerned after finding out what happened with Ryan Anthony Domek Hernandez that this statement might also be linked to the Johnsons. And if we can figure that out, that means that the Johnsons have perpetrated two people coming forward with confessions about the Bell family. This was really important for us to get to the bottom of for so many reasons. We had uncovered Jackie lying to the public on many occasions, and we believe this was to help her funnel in donations. The problem with this is there's a lot of these cases that need people's donations and time. And if Jackie is knowingly spreading a narrative that is not true for a financial benefit, I find that to be really disgusting behavior and that's what I believe is happening here. We had found out from an anonymous source what the gentleman's name was who had made the confession a year and a half ago. Once we had the name, my investigator Debbie jumped into high gear trying to find out who this person was and what connection they had to either the Bells or the Johnsons. 
The problem is we were coming up with nothing, nada. We couldn't find this guy anywhere and we could find no connection to either family anywhere. But lucky for us, a call came in that helped guide us through the next steps. We received a call from someone employed within the Lowndes County Sheriff's Department who was willing to share some information with us. We were able to confirm who this person was with their phone number, a photo, and confirming their job at Lowndes County Sheriff's Department. We've agreed to keep them anonymous because they're afraid that they might lose their job.
even though often rumor dictates that it's 60 plus minutes of footage missing, it's actually only a few minutes that are important. The moments before Kendrick Johnson enters the gym. Look at what happens to the recordings from these four cameras in the gym. The time is recorded with the video. The first camera captures images from the start of the day until 12.04 p.m. Then nothing. It picks up again at 1.09 p.m. There's consistent surveillance from the second camera until 11.05 a.m. Then it stops and picks up again more than two hours later at 1.15 p.m. The third camera also drops at 11.05 a.m. It picks up again at 1.16 p.m. And from the final camera, there's surveillance until 12.04 p.m., no recording for more than an hour, then it picks up again at 1.09 p.m. CNN appears to use the actual timestamps that you see on the actual surveillance tape. And this is fine for what they're doing because they're using all the cameras from the old gym and all the cameras timestamps are the same. The problem with this methodology is when you include the rest of the school. There are three separate groups of cameras and each group of camera has a different timestamp. One's about 10 minutes different than the actual time and one's about 30 minutes different than the actual time. So when just looking at the old gym, the way CNN was doing it, it's fine. But when we have to include the rest of the school, we have to account for the different timestamps and we have to line those up. It's quite easy to line up, however, because when you see someone walk from one bay of cameras that's timestamped one way into a room where another bay of cameras exists that's timestamped the other way, you can actually calculate that because you can see the person walk from this room into the next room so you know how the time should line up. So this actually just takes a little bit of brain power and you have to be a little bit patient to see when someone enters a room and exits a room so you can line those timestamps up. But for the purposes of what CNN is doing, the times make sense because they're just using the cameras from the gym and we're just looking at the time between things, not the actual time in the world. But even the CNN footage adds a level of confusion because what they're reporting on is this hour of time before KJ is last seen on camera. The problem with doing it this way is we know KJ's alive and well during this hour. We see him at other parts in the school during that time. And then we see him on the surveillance footage that CNN has walking across the gym at 1.09 p.m. So anything that happened prior to 1.09 isn't really as important because we know he's alive and well at 1.09. It's what happens after 109 that becomes really significant. And it's kind of weird when CNN talks about it, they only talk about the time when we know he's still alive. They don't talk about the time after he's last seen on surveillance tape. And to me, if anything happened to KJ, it was in the time after he was last seen on surveillance tape, not before. When surveillance in the gym resumes at 109, we see just these few frames of Kendrick Johnson running in the gym. So why is this so important? Because if we know KJ was alive and well until 109, then really we need to look at what happens after 109 to find out what might have happened to Kendrick Johnson. So what happens after 109? Let's watch the CNN clip again. The first camera captures images from the start of the day until 12.04 p.m. Then nothing. It picks up again at 109 p.m. There's consistent surveillance from the second camera until 11.05 a.m., then it stops and picks up again more than two hours later at 1.15 p.m. The third camera also drops at 11.05 a.m. It picks up again at 1.16 p.m. And from the final camera, there's surveillance until 12.04 p.m., 
no recording for more than an hour, then it picks up again at 1.09 p.m. So now the little we know from what CNN posted is that the cameras go on at 1.09 and they show a little clip of KJ and the next time the cameras are live again is at 1.15. So now we're talking about a six minute difference. This means, according to CNN's math, that the murderers would have six minutes to do the unthinkable. These cameras are also very poorly motion censored, and CNN even talks about this phenomenon during this news clip. For the next hour, there are multiple gaps in the video surveillance in the gym. So even the hour after KJ is last seen on camera, the surveillance videos seem to go on and off randomly seemingly, but What's interesting about this is this happens with these cameras all the time. This is not something that's just unique to when KJ disappeared. This is something that goes on all day long anytime those cameras are running. And we've already been able to confirm this in our investigation into the surveillance tapes. Here is another amazingly informative clip from Brandon Powers of the Valdosta Daily Online. He even goes so far as to also explain the phenomenon between the different timestamps on the surveillance tapes. Maybe his explanation will give you even a little deeper understanding of what I was mentioning earlier. In this video, released for the first time by the Valdosta Daily Times, we are able to follow 17-year-old Kendrick Johnson on his final walk through the halls of Lowndes High School. Kendrick's path takes him through C-Wing of the building, following his third block class, which was dismissed at 125. We see the smiling 17-year-old make the turn and continue past the guidance and administration offices. Unlike earlier video, this video contains a timestamp from the surveillance system servers, and we can witness Kendrick enter the hallway to the gymnasium at 127. This time is likely accurate as it coincides with the number of students in the hallways as they would be changing classes at 125. Kendrick continues unimpeded down the hallway, passing other students, and entering the gym at around 1.28. Note the timestamp from the still image displays a time of 12.59. Different time sinks between surveillance servers means the hallway camera was behind by 29 minutes. Cameras mounted inside the gym, which captured images of Kendrick after he passed through the doors, are on a third server, whose timestamp is 10 minutes ahead of the cameras in the hallway leading to the gym. Kendrick and another student disappear from the image after this frame as they are both now outside the limits of the motion detection system that activates the camera. The next frame shows several students passing by. A student wearing a bright green shirt is joined by a student wearing a blue shirt. These same students can be seen on the hall camera passing through the entrance of the gymnasium approximately three minutes after Kendrick. Accounting for the one frame per second capture rate of the cameras means that three minutes of surveillance footage translates into 18 seconds of real time. This suggests that the time between the last frame of Kendrick and the next frame on the surveillance video is approximately the same. So Power's showing the same clips that CNN's showing, but he kind of dives in a little bit deeper. And one thing we notice right off the bat is KJ actually enters the gym with another student. Now, the two don't seem to be interacting, but I think it's interesting that when he goes into the gym, he is walking very close to another person. Then within three minutes, more students enter the gym. 
So this really only leaves three minutes for you to kill Kendrick Johnson and hide his body. And you have to do this all without the other student who entered the gym at the same time noticing. And that other student who entered the gym doesn't seem to be paying any attention to Kendrick Johnson. He doesn't appear to be attacking or trying to kill him. So the other student just appears to be somebody also walking through the gym. So do you think a teenager could pull this off in that time frame? My team and I are still in the process of analyzing the surveillance footage. There's a lot of it, so it's pretty time consuming. But we're basing a lot of the stuff we're looking at today on other news sources and how they reported on the case. And I think so far we've seen some really valuable information. We will, of course, let you know in a future episode if this lines up with our findings from the surveillance tape. So why is this timeline so important? The basic reason it's so important is this only gives you three to six minutes to murder someone and hide the body. So basically in less than six minutes, the killer or killers would have to be capable of the following. One, grabbing the mat and pulling it away from the dozen or so other mats so that it can be unrolled fully. Two, removing the big thick Velcro band from around the mat. Three, unrolling the mat fully. Four, Murdering Kendrick Johnson with the same form as a stealth killer because you have to murder him by only causing a half inch bruise to his neck and the blow has to be fatal. So you also need to be someone with the skill who knows how to kill someone with a single blow and only leave one wound. And also the killing must be immediate because the person will not have time to fight back. And I just want to remind everyone really quick that Dr. Anderson, who was hired by the Johnson family lawyer, so essentially was hired by the Johnson family to perform the second and third autopsy, is the one who says that Kendrick died from the wound that is on his neck from a blow to the neck most likely that ended up rupturing an artery and internally bleeding. And that caused an immediate death or heart stoppage according to Dr. Anderson. So basically Dr. Anderson is saying the only wounds that Kendrick Johnson has is this bruise on his neck and some tiny scratches on his fingers. This goes against what Marianne Gaffney Kraft believed happened to Kendrick Johnson, which was positional asphyxia and the GBI agreed with her. Five, after murdering KJ, you have to then move his body onto the unrolled mat. Six, rolling a motionless deadweight teenager into a mat this size. Seven, making the roll so tight that the hole in the center of it is only 14 and three quarters inches with somebody who has a shoulder width of 16 inches or more. Eight, adding the big Velcro band back around the mat, at least half of it so it lays flat. Nine, move half a dozen mats out of the way so you can take the mat that KJ is in and push it all the way against the back wall. 10, making sure that all the mats are stacked back in front of the mat KJ is in so nothing looks out of place. 11, exit the gym without a single camera capturing your movement. And do this all in less than six minutes until the next class is scheduled to begin. Ashes to Ash is created by Ash Patino, associate producer Kate Giordano, investigator Debbie, title music Bones by A. Graves, experiment subjects Jack and Joe, talent agency Ellen's Kids, ellenskids.com, E-L-E-N-S-K-I-D-S. Safety provided by safetyfirstthinksafely.com. 
Safety Officer, Shayna. Web design for Ashes to Ash TV provided by Second Melody, secondmelody.com. Subscribe on the website for commercial-free content, early access to episodes, uncut interviews, and discounted merchandise. Just go to ashestoashtv.com, A-S-H-E-S-T-O-A-S-H-T-V.com. Please follow me on Facebook at Ashes to Ash True Crime and on YouTube, Instagram, and Twitter at Ashes to Ash TV. If you have a tip, email us at ashland57 at gmail.com, A-S-H-L-A-N-D-5-7 at gmail.com. We can keep you anonymous. Anonymous.